Please be seated. The word gospel translates to news that brings joy. But this isn't just any news. A gospel is news that changes a life forever. After being invaded and enslaved by Persia, Greece won two decisive battles at Marathon and Solnus. The Greeks sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to proclaim the good news to the cities. We have fought for you, we have won, and now you're no longer slaves, you're free. The reality is that we are all slaves, slaves to sin and slaves to death. We are slaves in need of good news. Enter Jesus, God's Son, fully God, fully man, bringing news that would change our lives forever. His news was this, I am the divine, come to you to do what you could not do for yourself. I will take what you deserve so you can have what I deserve. You have no idea how much it will cost me, but you also cannot imagine the depths of my love for you. It is a gift that I give freely, so repent, Repent from all the ways you've run from me and follow me. Follow me because I am the only way to eternal life. Follow me because I'm the savior you've been looking for. Follow me because I have authority over everything, yet I have humbled myself for you. Follow me because I died on a cross for you, because I'm your true love and your true life. This is my good news for you. This is my gospel that you have been saved by grace and that you are slaves no more. Church family, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these moments that we get to just hear your voice. And Lord, we just pray that we could see Jesus um, through the eyes of faith, to see that he has overcome, to see that he will never leave us or forsake us, to see that he's working out all things for our good. Lord, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Please speak specifically to the hearts of your people. Encourage them, refresh them, and draw them close to your side. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to imagine a day of your life. Get one day in mind. And I want you to imagine that the first 10 minutes of that day are awful. You wake up and you stub your toe on the bedroom post. You hear the kids screaming downstairs. You get into the shower and there is only cold water and you weren't planning on taking a cold shower that day. You get out of the shower and you fall straight on your face And this is how the day has started. And you're wondering, man, is it going to be one of those days? But then you get downstairs. And your kids were screaming because they were making you breakfast. You have a great breakfast there. You go to work and the boss calls you in. Congratulations, you got a promotion. Double your pay. Wow. A client calls. And they said you did such a great job on the last project that they're giving you five years of projects to go with. The radio station calls and the Taylor Swift concert tickets that you wanted, you're getting. And then finally you go home and your spouse has for you a car wrapped in a bow, your favorite car, one of those Lexus commercials. It came true. Oh my goodness. 
Now, is that a good or a bad day? It's a good day. Ten minutes were bad, but that's a, that's a good day. That is one of my favorite illustrations about the life of a Christian compared to eternity. See, I want to tell you that right now, if you came into this room and it feels like you fell on your face and you're only taking cold showers and there's only bad all around you, I want to tell you that what's happening in the future, what your destiny is, will so eclipse it that you will be able to say, you know what, I I had a good day. It's one of my favorite things to think about. In fact, as a Christian, I believe our God has said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And in spiritual warfare, one of the things we have to do is to continue to imagine what's coming next. Because when we do that, it puts everything else in perspective. The Apostle Paul spoke of this, and he said this. He said, we're not going to lose heart, no matter how the day is going. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Whatever is going on in your life, good, bad, they are light and they are momentary. Because of what God has in store for us, that is our destiny. Now for Christians, we are fascinated with the concept of heaven. And uh, recently came across a book uh, by Randy Alcorn called Heaven. And I would recommend it as you get your minds on things above. And I want to share with you one of the quotes that I found from this book. It says this, that the best of life on earth is a glimpse of heaven. The worst of life is a glimpse of hell. For Christians, this present life is the closest they will come to hell. For unbelievers, it's the closest they will come to heaven. Now, another way of saying that is that if you are in Christ... This is as bad as it gets, whatever it is, and it only gets better. If you're without Christ, this is as good as it gets, and it only gets worse. That's not me, that's Jesus, by the way. But when it comes to this phrase, the best of life on earth, I wanted you to do an exercise, okay? I wanted you to imagine, just pause, and think of the best thing in your life right now, okay? Take just a couple seconds, get that in your minds best thing in your life right now. I'm imagining what's in the heads right now. And now I want you to multiply it times a thousand. Whatever that thing was. That is, I believe, what God has in store for you for all eternity. For our God is the God who doesn't change like shifting shadows and every good and perfect gift is from his hands. And so if you're taking notes, here's the first note. That God has extraordinary wonders in store for believers. And that was so clear in the words of our first lesson. The words of our first lesson said this, that my father's house has many rooms, and if you remember the King James, many mansions. And God is going there to prepare your place. He's looking into your heart, he knows your desires, and he's trying to wow you. And if you've ever done a home remodel or love Chip and Joanna Gaines, I think the God who is the creator of the universe, who did this in seven days, is going to make something incredible in 2,000 years. I can't wait to see your room. I can't wait to see my room. This is ours in Christ Jesus. 
And so that's what we've been talking about, the, the, the blessings of being a believer, these gospel treasures in the past few weeks. Uh, we have been talking about uh, the blessing of purpose, and, and we know why we're here. We've been talking about the blessing of possibility. And if you are here last week, Pastor Jeff shared an incredible image uh, when it comes to the love of God. Uh, this is something that has been working in my mind this past week. I don't know if it's been working in your mind. That I can't possibly wrap my arms around the love of God. It is too high and wide and deep and long. It is that good. But I want to use that same illustration in our thoughts this morning. And I believe that you cannot wrap your arms or your minds around the wonder that God has in store for you. The wonder of what God is preparing for you. And that's what we get to talk about today when it comes to our destiny, when it comes to what God has in mind. And so this morning we're going to turn to the book of Revelation. And if you have your Bibles, feel free to open to Revelation chapter 21. And I need to explain a little bit of the context. I don't know if you've ever been reading from Revelation and wondered, you know, is this literal or figurative language? I'm hoping you had a Bible scholar along the way tell you this is not literal stuff. This is figurative language. Let me give you an example. Last summer we did the series on Revelation, and we talked about the four horsemen at the end times. Now, what we know from Scripture is that these are representatives of what's going on in the end times. You're not actually going to be waiting for four horses to appear in the sky. No, this is a picture of war. This is the picture of pestilence, of plague. And, and this is the picture of the spread and advancement of the gospel. Th those are images of what's going on in the end times. So today we're talking about our destiny. And the words that we're going to hear talk about the new Jerusalem. I want to show you a picture. That's pretty awesome. That, that's an artist's rendition of the new Jerusalem. But I want to tell you, it's not just that we have literal streets of gold or pearly gates or precious stones. No, what, what the imagery is basically trying to tell us, it's way beyond what you can imagine. It's way more glorious. It is the, the, the best of the best that God has in store for you for all eternity. And that's what we get to dwell in this morning in our time together. So at this point, I'm going to invite you to stand as we hear from the Word of God, just in honor of that Word. Um, and then we're going to dig in and pick apart. So it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Now a little bit about this. Um, the writer was John, who is exiled on the island of Patmos. And so what basically he's getting an idea of is he's no longer separated from good things. The sea that had separated him from his family or from other people, there's no longer any sea. Now, based on the context, we, we don't know if there's not going to be any water in heaven. There's a new heavens and a new earth. But for John, this is like, oh, there's no more toil, no more hardship. I saw the city, the new Jerusalem, come down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be my children." But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, 
the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And this is the second death. These are the words we get to pick apart. Before you sit down, can you say out, li- can you say out louder to your neighbor, the joy will have no end. The joy will have no end. Please be seated. I'm not sure if you've ever done any study of Greek mythology. Greek mythology. There is Zeus, the god of thunder and lightning. Poseidon, the god of the sea. There is the story of Icarus who flew too close to the sun, a picture of pride. Well, I came across a new Greek god. His name is Ponos. Uh, Ponos is the son of Iris, and Iris is the god of strife. Ponos is the, the god of hardship. Um, in, in fact, in, in the Greek culture, to live a life of Ponos was to absorb and kind of dive into toil, uh, to, to kind of choose to make life harder, to kind of absorb the pain. So I was doing some reading, and it's, it's Greeks who would, uh, in wintertime, not put on shoes, but in winter choose to walk barefoot and absorb the pain, absorb the toil. When I was reading about that, I just thought of Bears fans and why would you not wear clothes, right? They must love ponos. Uh, but, but the reason I, I bring up ponos is because it, it was found in our scripture for today. In our scripture for today, in verse 4, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, which is ponos. And what was so great to consider this past week is that Basically, what God is telling us is our destiny in Christ is without pain. And that's kind of the umbrella term for everything else that follows next. There there will be no more bodily pain. Can you imagine that, some of you who are dealing with chronic pain? Never again when you are with the Lord. That's amazing. Some of you are like, oh, I cannot wait to be there. You'll be 25 and you'll be completely confident of the beauty that God made you. I'm just kidding about the 25. I don't know. (laughs) But you will be confident in how God made you. There'll be no bodily pain. There'll be no emotional pain. I love this, that in this world we have so many different emotions and not all of them are great. Uh, the, the pain of anxiety and, and depression, the pain of sadness and loss. There will be no more mourning, Jesus says. How awesome is that? There will be incredible work that is not toilsome. See, you will have a purpose in heaven, but it will always go your way all the time, and that will be amazing. And this is your destiny in Christ Jesus. And it's interesting that when you understand what's coming next, compared to what's happening now, the conclusion that many Christians come to. And to set this up, it's kind of like if if you've ever experienced, like, good food. I know there are some steak lovers here. If all you grew up eating was round steak or eye of round, and then one day someone gives you a filet, or one day you get a tomahawk steak, you know which one is better. And it's not even close. And so Christians have this idea that when I know what is coming next, compared to what I'm getting now, there is this very simple conclusion that what's coming next is better. By far. You know, Paul thought about this. The Apostle Paul, who lived a life of ponos, he was in pain. And Paul tells a lot about what he experienced in his sufferings for Jesus Christ. Um, He was trying to prove his apostleship at one point. 
And Paul said this. He says, you know, I've worked much harder on earth. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. That's what I have on earth. That is my uncomfortable life. It's a life of toil bearing the cross. In fact, that's what we've been very clear with in these past weeks. If you want to follow Jesus, get ready to be uncomfortable. If you want to serve him, there's a high correlation to the degree you want to serve him and the pain you will experience. There's no way of avoiding the cross. It just happens. And so Paul, who knew what happens here compared to what happens there, comes to this very incredible conclusion. He says, so for me to live would be to Christ, that's, that's my toil, but to die is gain. In fact, he put it this way, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. It's the tomahawk steak versus round steak. This is, this is not even a close discussion. It is better by far. But if I'm here, I know why I'm here. I have a purpose. I need to stay on mission. I need to stay on point. I am here to give God glory by serving as a pastor. And so for us, we, through the Spirit, could just pause and say, man, my destiny is so good, I can't wait to be there. And if you're not there yet, I think just dive into Scripture some more. If you're not confident that what is coming next is so far better than what is now, please read Scripture. Read Revelation. Soak up the words of Revelation 21 because that is your destiny of joy without end and sorrow finally ending. There is no no ponos. There is no more pain. There is no more toil. There is no more hardship. That is yours in Christ Jesus. And we see that maybe a little bit through the eyes of faith here. But here is the struggle. The rest of the world is not having a conversation about wanting to be in heaven. (laughs) The rest of the world is trying to create heaven on earth. And by the way, good luck with that. (laughs) This is a sin-wrecked world. This is Humpty Dumpty. Remember that story? All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Every dream to pursue American lifestyle at its finest will never, ever put this world back together. You will always have ponos. You will always have pain. But not forever. And so God warns us about chasing after the things of the world as if they could provide the things of God and truly satisfy. God warns us of chasing after anything but Him. In fact, um, I wonder for you, what do you think most people are chasing after? Just do a quick inventory. When you look at your family, when you look at your community, what are the things that people are saying, man, if I have this, then I'll be satisfied. If I have this, it'll be heaven on earth. What about you? Have you ever lived with that illusion? If only it was on the beaches of Florida, it would be heaven on earth. By the way, my parents live in Florida. It's not heaven on earth. Now, the the weather is nicer, but it's not heaven on earth. 
What have you been tempted to chase after that you think, man, if I only had this, then I'll have no more ponos. I'm here to tell you, ponos follows you wherever you are. And a quote that has stuck with me about this concept of comparing here to there is from C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory. And I want you to consider what he said about uh, our pursuits on earth versus what God has in store. I love this quote. It's, it's long, but I just love the whole thing. It says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. So these are the things that C.S. Lewis says some people are chasing after. When infinite joy is offered us, but like ignorant children who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he not, cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Whatever you're chasing after on earth, God is saying through the words of C.S. Lewis, it's a mud pie. Like, good luck. But if you want infinite joy, if you want a holiday at the sea, I guess we've always been beach people, <laughs> then you need to find it in our God. You need to find it in Jesus Christ. And when you have him, you have all that you need. And so today, if we are going to repent over anything, it's, it's repenting over all the times that we've clung to our mud pie and said, this mud pie is so beautiful. I, I can't be away from this mud pie. You know, I, I don't want to follow Jesus. No, this mud pie is awesome. And we're reminded it's not Jesus. It's not it. And it will never be heaven on earth. And so how do we gain the perspective we need? It's by looking at what Jesus has done and what Jesus offers. That Jesus, he has given us our true destiny through his cross and resurrection. That Jesus has forgiven you. For all the times you've pursued something else rather than him. For all the times you thought you could create heaven on earth. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from that sin and every sin. And Easter reminds us we are not home yet. We are not there yet. Easter reminds us that someday we'll have the holiday at the sea. That someday all our wishes and dreams will culminate in a way that our hearts have been longing for. But it will never be here. It will be there with the Lord. That is yours. In fact, I love how Scripture reminded us how this comes to us. Scripture reminded us, to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And so we know that in Christ Jesus, all of this destiny is yours for what? For free. It's free to us because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I want to remind you, if you're new to Christ, if you're not, the simple premise of the Christian faith. And it's not that good people go to heaven. No one's been good, not even one. It's that believers who found Jesus know they're going to heaven. And Jesus is offered as a gift to any and all. And that's why we're on a mission. Because hell is real, you probably saw that. But we are on a mission so that no one we know goes there. Because Jesus has a gift. Jesus has life. 
And so we want to tell the whole community, our family and friends, that you can come and without cost have all of this and more. That is your destiny because of Jesus Christ. But to continue, I want to talk a little bit more about the wonders that will be ours. And um, I was thinking about, you know, pictures of, of what it will be like. And, and my mind raced to 80s movies. And um, I'm sorry about that. But when it comes to 80s movies, um, they haven't aged like fine wine. Um, PG is not PG. Um, and, and I don't know what 80s movie you would love to share with someone who's growing up. Uh, my mind went to ones like The Labyrinth, but then I'm like, no, that's kind of weird. Um, the Never-Ending Story, um, I don't know if you've heard of that one. But, but then uh, I recently was sharing uh, with people that I love this story. It's called The Flight of the Navigator. And I'm just curious, anyone know The Flight of the, the Navigator? Okay, thank you, I'm not alone. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. And, and I want to explore the premise of it um, because it has a great point. Uh, the premise is that this boy has one night... Um, where he's kind of down in a valley, and he wakes up, and he goes back to home, but everything's changed. His parents don't live in the same house. His life is completely turned upside down. He finds his parents later on, but it's not the same. They've aged. He's young, they're old. His, his brother's older, and so there's this huge longing in this boy. I just want to be reunited with mom and dad. I just want to be a kid again. I just want to hug him. I want to go back. Now, he figures out that he was abducted by an alien. <laughs> and the rest of the story is about, like, risking his life to go back to the way it was. But spoiler alert, the end of the story is this grand reunion where this young boy whose longing was just to be by mom and dad in his childhood home sees mom and dad again, and there's fireworks on the ocean, and it's grand. I don't know if you ever had a reunion that was grand. Maybe you've been away for a long time. Maybe it was someone in the military who came back. Well, God reminds us, one of the, the great things about our destiny is a grand reunion. And so if you're taking notes, I just want you to know that this is what's going to be in store. And, and it's so amazing that, that those who we say goodbye to in Christ, they are not lost. And I want you to think today that when you get to heaven, who are you excited to see? Can you just pause there? You're going to get there, and who comes to mind? Some of you have in mind a mom or a dad. Some of you have in mind a child. Some of you have in mind a spouse. That is yours in Christ Jesus. That we will have a grand reunion with a perfect relationship because sin is no more. That is yours. And Scripture reminds us that when it comes to who we really want to see, there is one standout and everyone else who is in your mind doesn't even come close. Scripture reminds us uh, through the words and the story of Job what Job's hope was. Now, if you know Job's story, he had lost 10 children. But his mind wasn't on 10 children. He, he had a story of Ponos, and the whole story was about him struggling with suffering on earth. And, and then in the middle of the book, there is the standout verse that we sing songs about. 
The standout verse that Hebrew scholars say is put in the middle for emphasis in Hebrew poetry. It's there for emphasis. And you might even know these words. That Job, when it comes to who he wanted to see, said this. I know my Redeemer lives. And that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. That you and I know the culmination of the faith, it is to dwell with God. In fact, I remember uh, Pastor Mike Novotny preaching on this, and he's kind of a funny guy. And he's like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to push like, my wife aside. Like, get out of the way. I want to see Jesus. Now, I don't know if I would do that, babe, just so you know, um, but he would. Um, but I, I think I got his point. I'm obviously much better and sophisticated than him, but kidding. Um, but Jesus is going to be the standout. No one's going to come close. In fact, I love the words, um, and here's your fill-in, to live with God. I love the words of mercy me when, when he caught in this idea of like, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like? And you guys might know this song. It says, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? Woo! You're getting that. I'm getting that. yours. I can't wait. I can't wait. But because we're not there yet, we have work to do. And Christians also know what that work is. In fact, if, if we know what is coming, it so shapes what we should be doing. I think of all the times we prepare for things, and, and I know sometimes on Sunday night we're preparing for Monday morning. I know there's some students who prepared for exams this past week. I know there's some families who are preparing for vacation. I know that sometimes you have to prepare for a race by your activity. When you know what's coming next, it shapes what you're doing now. And so that also is true for us. See, knowing our destiny, it shapes what we do right now. And one of the things it does is it shapes our view of death. It shapes our view of funerals. Uh, today we're going to pray for Don Carnegie, who God called to heaven. And she was sick for a while. And, and, and she was not made better. She was made perfect. That's what God did for her. But we know as Christians our rallying point that Jesus has overcome and so we know this, that when it comes to death, what we know in the future shapes our grieving now, and then we don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We have a sure and certain hope. We know exactly what's going on through the eyes of faith. But more than our view of death, it shapes what's going on right now. You know, the, these last couple of weeks I've, I've had a call, and, and you might have heard of that or not, I don't know. But what I've seen is that there are so many people radically passionate about what we do. Radically passionate that we would reach the lost with the love of Christ so that no one, no one would experience hell and everyone, everyone would experience the love of Christ Jesus and the glories of heaven. I'm so thankful for that passion. 
I'm so thankful that God has given you a spirit like mine that says, you know what, I'm going to go to heaven and maybe not be perfect, but I'll have Jesus. But I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to try to max out my moments here on earth to share Jesus who has overcome. And I hope that's your desire too. Whether I've talked to you about the call, wherever this lands, I hope you know you only have a short time to make an impact for Jesus Christ. That what's coming next should shape your activity now. And I just want to invite you to be part of this church family. I wanted to invite you to support our mission because we will stay on point and on mission as we reach the lost with the love of Christ because we know the destiny God has in store for all who believe. And it is a gift. Help us with that mission. May the Spirit continue to guide you in all your pursuits until you see Jesus face to face. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. This time we have the opportunity to confess our faith and we'll do that using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.